self-focusing question which is really the essence of the book and the question is what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it everything else will be easier or unnecessary slash greatly fulfilling that, that greatly fulfilling bit's just a little bit I put in there but again what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it everything else will be easier or unnecessary love that question and love you all that was me you are you and this is Doug the podcast Welcome to Duggett, episode 56, and the first episode of Duggett the Book Club, inspired by the likes of Oprah, Bill Gates, Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, and the sound of waterfalls and rainbows. You can kind of add me to that list, and uh, I'm proud to launch the Duggett Book Club, where I'll be sharing the greatest books that I come across, the key ideas of the books, how that's affected me. It'll be kind of like Blinkist, but better because it'll have more vitamin D and um, D-O-U-N-G. And I just love reading. I, I read, I think the average person reads about one book or a couple of books a year. The average CEO reads approximately 50. And uh, I'm not a CEO, but I'm an avid reader of at, at least probably a book a week. And uh, so much so, I'm often getting told off by my girlfriend, Moni, for keeping her past up past her optimal sleep time. And uh, I was getting plenty of library fines for getting too many, too many books out and not getting them back on time. So this is a way for me to channel my book reading and learning appetite into something really positive and share it with you all. So I'm super stoked to kick this book club off with one of the best one of the best books I've come across. It's a real game changer. The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. It's a non-fiction self-help book written by the authors and real estate entrepreneurs Gary W. Keller and Jay Papasan. Kind of sounds like a poppinom. Delicious and nutritious. Listening to Paul Check the other day, and he's, he said that life goes through three phases, simplicity, complication, then back to simplicity. And this is what it means to be an outer, to simplify and become wise. And this is what this book is all about, pure wisdom, simplifying life. So the premise is we all want a simpler life, less distractions, less stress, demands, emails, etc. But we want greater results, more productivity, more income, satisfaction from life, time for family and friends. So this book is really about the paradox of having both less and more through focusing on your one thing. There's a quote by Alexander Graham Bell to concentrate all your thoughts upon the work at hand. The sun's rays do not burn until brought to a focus. What a visualization that is. You got to focus, but you can also get burnt by the sun if you live in New Zealand because we're lacking a bit of ozone layer down here. But that's another another. That's another book altogether. That's environmental. <laughs> but it brings to mind the, I always think of focus like a laser, one of those water laser jets or that kind of 3D cut shapes. And, and 
to think that water can cut through steel when it's brought to such a fine point or focus is a powerful kind of metaphor for this book. And the book is broken into three parts. One, the lies that misled and derailed us. Two, the focusing question, which is really the essence of the book. And the question is, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary slash greatly fulfilling. That, that greatly fulfilling bit's just a little bit I put in there. But again, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Love that question. Part three, extraordinary results, which details how to make the above principle actionable. And uh, some of you know me that I'm pretty new age. I'm into poetry and that kind of stuff. And turmeric lattes, walks on the beach, uh, etc. But there's a great poem that starts the book. And, and it goes, I bargained with life for a penny and life would pay no more. However, I begged the evening when I counted my scanty store. For life is just an employer. He gives you what you ask. But once you have set the wages, why you must bear the task. I worked for a menial's hire, only to learn dismayed that any wage I'd asked of life, life would have paid. Jesse B. Rittenhouse. That any wage I'd asked of life, life would have paid. Love that. So what are you asking of life, man, girl, woman, man? Get after it, because there can only be one thing that is most important, and this book is about finding that, about asking more from life. When you look at successful people in any field, they got there by doing one thing very well. Kelly Slater surfed, Federer played tennis, and talent into sports right here. Steve Jobs built technology, Jerry Seinfeld created comedy. Uh, Seinfeld, for example, uh, spent hours each day just writing jokes. Uh, Warren Buffett, for example, he just reads every day and invests. Even companies do just one thing. Google's one thing is search. Amazon started just with books. Nike just with shoes. What are you going to do? The one thing in common, everyone's one thing was founded on passion and purpose that drove them to put a disproportionate amount of time into their one thing. Malcolm Gladwell called this mastery the 10,000-hour rule. There's another little quote that kind of really sums this up. It's to be like a postage stamp, stick to one thing until you get there by Josh Billings. Stamp that. All right. Oh, I've got a Doug's tip in here. And because um, I know many of you are just asking right now, what is your one thing? What is my one thing? Uh, for me, to help figure this out, I used a Dan Sullivan unique ability framework. It's the and your unique ability is the thing that continually motivates and energizes you. And normally you're unaware of it. You have it from the age of seven. It's kind of built-in hardware. And it can be found through many means. So you could ask yourself, what did you used to do when you were seven years old that was continually energizing and motivating? Or you can also ask your friends the, this question, which is, how do you add value to their lives? So you could say, I'm doing this unique ability exercise and you just want to ask 20 close friends what value you add to their life. And often they'll come back with things you're not even aware of because you do it so naturally. So for me, it was enthusiasm and humor, networking, creating and sharing ideas. And this is how I add the most value to the world. And this is my one thing kind of summarized. 
So for me, this podcast is really a culmination of that. So that's just a little tip you can take home with you. I, I, and man, does it make you feel good when you get a whole lot of great emails back from friends and family saying uh, how beautiful you are in these so many in these these few ways, and and that's what you really want to focus on. That's where the value is. Back to the book, part one. We've been taught so many lies and mistruths that have conditioned and limited our thinking. Lord knows we have. There are six main lies or mistruths that are listed in the book. Number one, everything matters equally. Number two, multitasking. Number three, we must live in a discipline, we must live a disciplined life. Four, willpower is always on will call. Five, a balanced life. Six, big is bad. Big is not bad, Mr. Wolf. We're going to get down to that. These lies divert us from our greatest potential. So much of life is letting go of conditioning, isn't it? That's a rhetorical question you can answer. You don't need to answer that one. But first off, everything does not matter equally and we cannot do everything. Therefore, we must prioritize what is important. If we can't say no to something, our yes has no value. Success is about doing the right thing, not everything. And it reminds me of Dan Sullivan. He does a, a three wins of the day. So you just have three things you want to do during that day. And everything else is a bonus. You just find the most important things to do each day. Because we can't do everything. Uh, multitasking. The Buddhists called this the monkey mind. We can't actually do many things productively at once. For example, juggling is an illusion. You're actually catching and throwing one ball at a time. And... The stats are that switching between tasks costs you 25 to 100% more time. Oh, does it what? Self-discipline is another lie. Successful people aren't disciplined. They just have habits. They just have habits. So successful people are built upon many habits. And it takes about 66 days to form a habit. So that's how you want to think of your life and discipline. And willpower is a battery that runs out. Willpower doesn't work by Benjamin Hardy. It's a great book that goes into more depth on this. The other lie is that we're never in balance, uh, that we shouldn't try and be balanced all the time because we're never in balance. We're trying to balance. Actually trying to be balanced is quite stressful. We're, we're more like a pendulum swinging from one extreme to another and it's in those extremes that often where the magic happens where you get your greatest work done. The other mistruth, that you shouldn't dream or think big or think too big. And uh, there's a little passage that talks about who who kind of told you to limit your thinking, that big is bad, that we need to kind of put some limits on our thinking. It's just a crazy concept. Uh, there's a great example in the book that Sabir Bahatia, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, arrived in America with $250 and big plans. He had a belief that he could grow a business faster than any business in history. And uh, that's a big belief. He created Hotmail and sold it for $600 million. And what set him apart, his mentor said, was, was the size of his dream. And interesting, before he had Hotmail, he just had that one belief. So he didn't know what he was going to do. He just wanted to grow a business faster than any business in history. Some other examples are J.K. Rowling planned seven years of Hogwarts before writing the first chapter. Sam Walton of Walmart set up a tax estate for his family that saved him an estimated $13 billion. And this is really a growth mindset. I heard Preston Smiles say, they talked about, (laughs) 
It's an interesting uh, visual or metaphor that if you put fleas in a jar, you don't have to do this. This is just an example. (laughs) They'll pop up and you put the lid on, they'll pop up and hit the top of the lid and they'll keep jumping and hit the top of the lid until they condition themselves to jump just below the height of the lid. And then when you take the lid off, they'll continue to jump just below the, the height of the jar. And so they'll never jump out. And there's plenty of stories around this, like the elephant who's kept on a rope as a as a baby elephant, and then when he's, he's when he's older and much stronger to break that rope or that chain, he doesn't because he's been conditioned to limit himself. And so, where are you putting limitations on what you can do and how much you can save on the places you can travel on the love that you can give on the Duggett podcast reviews that you can put out to the world? There's so many things you can uh, raise the bar on. A little note on happiness in the book. Happiness happens on the way to fulfillment. Oh, you don't want to be chasing it because it happens on the way. Seeking it isn't the way. Make it about something bigger than you. Discover your big why, your one thing. This is what gets you excited, motivated, and energized. (sighs) But sometimes finding a why is difficult. So absent a purpose, pick a direction. Just pick a direction and Go deep into that direction. Why only one thing? I know some of you are thinking, why not two things or three things? Why not a couple of things? Well, as Andrew Carnegie, the man often referred to as the greatest industrialist of the 20th century said, he was standing in front of a room of wide-eyed students at Curry Commercial College when he said, don't put all your eggs in one basket is wrong. He counseled, I tell you, put all your eggs in one basket and then watch that basket. Look round you and take notice. Men who do that do not often fail. So the question is, which basket do you watch? More to the point, how do you know which basket is the right basket to begin with? The answer is you ask the question, one that removes ambiguity. You ask a focusing question. And the focusing question is, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Slash, I would feel deeply accomplished. So what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Questions are the answers, people. And it's important that this focusing question is specific because we can't manage what we can't measure. And this one thing could be for any aspect of your life. For example, to deepen my spirituality, my one thing that makes everything easier or unnecessary could be spending three to four times a week in nature or it could be meditating twice a day. You don't need to go big, go small, pare it down to the one discipline out of everything you could be doing and this creates space for everything else you need to do. I know in my divine masculine coaching group, so many of the lads they want to do and and I had this response too, you want to do like five things at a time. You want to you want to meditate. You want to save more money. You want to do, I don't know, add twenty things to your morning routine. But really, it's about just focusing on one thing, and that'll create the space for everything else. Michael Phelps, for example, he figured out if he swam seven days a week for six hours a day, he'd get a fifty-two day training advantage over his competition. And this was something that could be measured and managed. Instead of him creating a foundation, building businesses, getting sponsorship, occasionally getting high, but he he. Oh, he's a hell of a guy, isn't he? Or trying to be the greatest swimmer of all time, he did his highest priority. The lead domino, which was swimming every day, he wasn't even focused on, well, he wouldn't be focused on being the greatest swimmer of all time, but the one thing he controlled was swimming every day. 
And interesting to note, one day out of the pool cost him two days in training day uh, in training due to losing his water feel. So by training every day, he just built up this huge advantage of his competition. And that advantage is all about the domino effect. So the domino effect, they figured out in science that a domino could knock down another domino 1.5 times its size. By the 73rd domino, you would reach the moon. Let that land on the moon. 1.5 times its size. So you're starting with a little domino and you go into the moon after 73. That's the power of dominoes and compounding. Every day there's a lead domino. And this is the psychology you want. We must ask ourselves, what is the one thing we can do today that pertains to the one thing for this week, that pertains to the one thing for the month, that pertains to the one thing for the year, that pertains to the one thing for my life, that if I did just that, it would make everything else easier or unnecessary? What would produce the highest growth that would set me up for pertaining to the one thing for me this week? Where am I going with that? Basically, you're doing what you're doing right now pertains to your your day, your week, your month, your year, your five year, and the one thing you ultimately want. Uh, I I did a podcast with Bryce Langston a little while back from Living Big and Tiny Houses. I remember when he started out, he just did it for his own personal um, kind of project. Uh, just blogging and vlogging and sharing his his personal interest in in tiny houses. And I just saw the other day he had 6.5 million views on his latest video in four days. And that's just a few years of compounding, of doing his one thing continually, of regularly posting. Dan Bryce, you've done well. Congratulations, buddy. So, and check out his channel if you're into tiny big houses or just success. It's a dose of inspiration, all right. Goal setting to the now. So like I mentioned before, you're working backwards from your someday goal. What's the one thing I want to do someday? Based on my someday goal, what's the one thing I can do in the next five years? Based on my five-year goal, what's the one thing I do this year? Based on my one-year goal, what's the one thing I do this month? Based on my monthly goal, what's the one thing I do this week? Based on my weekly goal, what's the one thing I can do today? Based on my daily goal, what's the one thing I can do right now? So what can you do right now that ties back to your someday goal? And you can write that down for each aspect of your life because success is sequential. You want to make a success list. Success builds on success. That's kind of a tongue twister, isn't it? Aristotle said it best when he said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act but a habit. What we're looking to do if the system works for you, because not everything works for everybody, but this really landed for me was for the rest of your life we're looking to build habits that create the highest version of success in your eyes your definition of success is different for it's different for you it's different for everybody so what does success like look like for me for my family my relationships my business my career my health then what is the one thing that would make everything easier or unnecessary in each area of my life nobody who ever gave his best regretted it George Hallas so in, in my uh, man cave group with Preston Smiles, we kind of narrowed it down to three. And you want to choose three domains of, of your life to focus on one thing. Career is one of them, but it could be spirituality, physical health, personal life, which is your fun, play, recreation, key relationships, friends, partners, etc. 
job, career, and business is one. But if you've got multiples, you can kind of break those down and finances. And then you want to choose that one thing and knock it out for four hours a day, five, six, seven days a week. So your business one often leads first. So you do two, three, four hours a day on that. Once that, once you've got that done, you could do your next one thing. And um, for example, for mine, my my one thing was working on our lodge, setting that up this year. So I was doing four hours a day on that every day. But my key thing, my one thing for relationships was booking holidays in. And so you can just spend a few days booking and planning a holiday and then that one thing's done. So there are examples where it's, it's one thing you can book in, but it doesn't have to be every day. But that one thing will have the greatest effect on, on everything else. So a little tip on your one thing though, don't go it alone. You need mentors, coaches, and accountability partners to get results. That's why I set up my Divine Masculine course based off the Man Cave course I did with Preston Smiles. So I've got accountability, so my friends do too because you can't do it alone. Everyone has mentors. Success leaves clues. George Martin, uh, for example, was a record producer and he was regarded as the fifth Beatle. Tony Robbins had Jim Rohn. Love Jim Rohn. Jeffrey D. Jacobs advised Oprah to set up her own company rather than just be talent for someone else. Harry J. Sonnenborg convinced Ray Kroc to buy the land of McDonald's rather than just the business. And Scott Jurek loves running. If you don't know Scott Jurek is, he's, a, he's the greatest runner in America of all time. And his um, best mate, Dusty Olsen, happens to be a great runner and his pacer. So everyone needs a pacer, a mentor, a coach, someone to help them get out of those ruts and find the most important thing. And uh, back to the myth of discipline. Uh, creating discipline and one thing you, why you want to do that is because it creates space for you to be less disciplined elsewhere so if you get really disciplined on your morning routine your one thing you might not need to be so strict with your exercise in the afternoon or your finances or or whatever it may be because you've built up so much of a buffer by doing your one thing Interesting, it takes 66 days to make or break a habit, not the 31 or 21, whatever's been proposed before. And we have a lifetime to build these habits. And willpower doesn't work, as Benjamin Hardy states. It's, it's not a roll call, it's a battery. We must make and create and use our willpower early in the morning then manage ourselves in the evening. And there's a great book on this again, Willpower Doesn't Work by Benjamin Hardy. But in this book, it really talks about you want to create and make in the morning when your willpower is the strongest, when your creativity is at its best, when you're inspired, and then you can manage the to-do list and your other things later in the day. I love that. Make and create in the morning. Make love if you have to. Make love to your work. Get after it. And then you can manage and fit in the rest. A little uh, shout out to the men, the boys, the kings, the warriors that in particular as men, we try and bash and smash our way through life, and this causes stress and issue. And when we really clench our teeth in our buttocks, <laughs> there's no space for God, Allah, the divine consciousness, that consciousness that powers the oceans, that moves the, the moon, that, that shines the sun. And the grass doesn't try to grow, it just does. The sun doesn't try and shine, it just shines. And so what's the one thing? that we can do and be present with rather than trying to over plan, over analyze, overthink. 
If success is an iceberg, its purpose, it's at the bottom, that's way down below, that's the big piece of the, the iceberg, then it's priority, which is just below the iceberg. Then just above the water, you see profit and productivity. And people just see product and, and uh, productivity and profit, and that's what they think you're all about, but they miss the purpose and the priority that drives every successful person. And so what is that for you? What is it that really calls you forward? Eckhart Tolle calls this aligning your inner purpose with your greater purpose. And so it really comes from the inside. And, and then once you've got that inner purpose, there's three types of answers. So you've got a dream or a goal, but how big is that dream or that goal or that purpose? Because you can do what you what you know is possible. That's called being doable. Then you can stretch, you can get out of the comfort zones and do things you're not used to. But then there's possibility, which is to go beyond what you can even think. So you've got a dream that's so big, you're not even sure how you're going to get there, but it resonates with you, it lands with you, and you're going to find a way. And damn, that is exciting. A little bit petrifying, petrifying, scary as well. But it's that rocket fuel that powers all great entrepreneurs and people, the oh, the opportunity, but also the fear of failure. I love that. Uh, when I spoke to David Hassan a little while back, he the next little piece of this puzzle is to block time out. And, and we talked about his book and his philosophy on life as one of the world's great entrepreneurs. And he said a successful day for him is just to do three to four hours of his greatest, most productive work, which for him was writing, writing code and writing. And um, and I love that definition, and it's just echoed in this book to do four hours of your number one thing every day, best done in the morning again. And sometimes this means giving up to go up, sacrificing short term, short term to get the heights of the long term. Elevation requires separation. Taking care of what's more most important to you means letting go of some things that aren't. Because there's a good big difference between good versus great. And in the book, they divide the two by looking at one as an entrepreneurial approach and one as a purposeful approach. And so entrepreneurial is doing what you do naturally, but this has a ceiling of achievement. It's like, again, going back to what's like a stretch or doable versus what's possible. So entrepreneurial has a ceiling. Purposeful approach is doing what comes unnaturally. This has no ceiling. So you can continually reinvent yourself go new places physically, mentally, spiritually and continue to grow beyond your wildest dreams. So the good versus great, the the three tips they have on this is to follow the path of mastery. Mastery is a mindset that requires the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. A great example of this is it's also a mindset of continually learning. So the founder of Judo, Judo, when he got buried, he asked his students to put a white belt on him because he wanted to let them know that the master was always a student. I love that. The master's always a student. And then you want to move from E to P, as I said, from not from one drug to another drug. That, that's probably not the way to go, but from entrepreneurial approach to a purposeful approach. That's the real drug of life. Going purposeful. The last piece of the puzzle, number three, is to live the accountability cycle. So there's two mindsets to life, being accountable or being a victim. Life happens, but it's how you respond that matters most. Uh, 
So a victim avoids reality, blames others, doesn't ask questions, comes up with excuses, hopes that things were better. The accountable person asks questions, finds solutions, owns their life, acknowledges reality, and seeks truth. And I know I switched between the two, but I want to spend more time in that accountable space, that mindset of taking control of life, of making my dreams a reality. But there's a little roadblock that can get in the way, and these are the four thieves of productivity. And uh, they're like little pocket thieves that sneak up on you. The number one is the fear of saying no. I know this is a big one for a lot of people. You have to be able to say no to give power to your yes counterbalance, pull away, go into that cave, that lab, that gym, that place where you do your greatest work and say no to everything else because other people can't see what you can see. They can't see your dreams, your vision, your life. And uh, I know there's a great blog post written, if it's not a fuck yeah, it's a no. So fuck yeah, get after it. Number two is the fear of chaos, which... uh, kind of goes with saying no, that life gets really messy, you can't do everything at the same time, you chase two rabbits and you'll end up with none, so you got to get used to being, having life a little out of balance, and you, you often know when you're doing the greatest work, you can't be doing everything else, you got to let something slide, get, get on that slide. Number three, poor health habits, this one I'm so passionate about, this is where that morning routine really comes into play. This is movement, sleep, food and water, feeding the body, the brain, your dreams, your soul. If you don't have your health, you have only one dream. If you've got your health, you have a million dreams. Number four, environment. And this is your desk or workplace, your home. This is also friends and families. Friends and maybe it's it's multiple families. (laughs) Maybe you've been spreading too much love. There's a, not that there's such a thing as there, um, but sometimes you got to let go of these anchors. Uh, some people they're not they're not bad, but they must they might just be holding you back and not seeing what you can see. So you can let go of people for a while if they're not serving your dreams, your purpose, your one thing. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, Nietzsche, that's my best German. He said, uh, "Those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music." listen to that music, get dancing. I love this piece of the book, which is coming back to the morning routine. So to be highly productive, a highly productive person's daily energy plan is one, to meditate and pray for spiritual energy, fill up on spirit. Two, eat right, energize, exercise, sleep sufficiently. That's your physical Three, hug, kiss, and laugh with loved ones for motivational energy. Four, set goals, plan, and calendar for mental energy. I love writing down the goals in the morning. Affirmations are good for that too. Five, time block your one thing for business energy. Ain't that the truth? So spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, business energy. Fill up on all of those. And you'll get pulled through the day because when you spend your early morning energizing yourself, you get pulled through the day with little additional effort. It creates positive momentum. We all feel that when you get up early, you crush your morning routine. It's like everything else is a bit of a breeze from there on. 
So to do that, surround yourself with positive people will lift you higher. Get into those great environments. Get accountability, mentors, coaches. The greatest journey starts with the smallest step. There's a book, there's a little passage at the end of the book, a little tale, fable, and it's the story of the wolf. There was a, a Cherokee who told his grandson about the internal battle within people of two wolves. One is fear, one is faith. The 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 little grandson he asked the Cherokee, well, what wolf wins? And the Cherokee answers, the one that is fed the most. So what wolf are you feeding? Are you feeding the faith? your heart, your love, your dream, your purpose, or the scarcity mindset, the fear, the anger, the jealousy. Keep feeding the wolf, the wolf of faith. Lastly, this ties into a great uh, book series with Oprah I've been listening to, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. And Eckhart Tolle elaborates on the one thing in in kind of a a more spiritual way, but he says it's more important how you do it rather than what you do it. You set a vision for your life, which is your one thing, your someday goal, and then you be present with your one thing and everything you do. This creates harmony in your mind and for all of those around you. Whether it's a way to just putting the plate down, uh, so present and so thoughtful, so mindful with how he does it, that it, it lifts the energy of the whole room. And this is what helps increase the consciousness of the planet. And it gives you the most power. The power is in the now. The enjoyment is in the now. The enthusiasm and the results. That is how you do your one thing. Completely present, aware, enjoyment, and pure enthusiasm for what you're doing right now, which ties into your, your one-day goal, your one-week your one month, your year, your five year, and then your someday goal. So in conclusion, what is the one thing you could be doing right now that would make everything easier or unnecessary slash make you feel deeply accomplished? And I think that is just the truth. I love that book. Hopefully you did too. Well, you didn't get to read it, but you got to listen to it. But I highly recommend um getting out from the library or buying it. Such a great book to to recommend to friends as well who are maybe struggling with direction or why they're not getting traction in life. And um, and for me right now, my one thing in my business career is to, is to do the podcast more. It gives me uh, so many things. And when you go through the exercise, like you'll realize this. For me, the podcast, it helps me network. I get to share ideas. I get to be enthusiastic. I get to do all the things I'm best at. And I get all these other uh, wonderful perks as well. So get after your one thing. I'm trying to think what my other ones are. So, oh, that's right. For relationships, it was the holidays. And um, and I had another one. Anyway, that's two of them. I'll get back to my third one. Oh, finances. That's right. My third one was finances. And um, it's buying a piece of land up in Tiari. So... The first episode of Dug at the Book Club, The One Thing. What did you think? That's a question. You can answer it. Let me know. I would love to hear from you. Any uh, feedback, suggestions on how I can make this book club, the podcast, even better than before? Tapping into that mastery mindset. Always a student, always learning. And I really want to double down on my podcast. That is my one thing. 
people, my career, my business, my passion. I'm just reading another book on this at the moment called Your Greatest Work, all about living out your dharma, giving fully, making love to your greatest work. And uh, so excited to share that one with you. It's based on the Bhagavad Gita, which is a fantastic ancient text. But if you enjoyed the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd share it or leave a review. That would be just fantastic. And I hope you get the book or got plenty out of this podcast and and get plenty out of that book. Uh, Get it out from the library, buy it. I'll try and give away a copy to it. It's so fantastic. It's a life changer. Simplify your life. Do your one thing. Do it well. Create space for everything else. Think less. Experience more. Do your one thing and hope you dug it.